Awesome. Um, well, tonight, you may have seen or heard a little bit of um, that tonight's going to be different. We're calling it Vision Night. We're really excited. Um, who loves vision? Yes, because without vision, the people perish, right? So we need it. We need it to know where we're going. And so tonight is kind of like a family night. It's like, hey, this is where we're going. This is what we feel like God is doing. And so in order to share some of that vision, we have invited our own lead pastor, Travis, to come and share a little bit. So good. Good job, guys. So he's going to come on up and just um, share a little bit about kind of where our church has been and where we're going. Um, and so thanks for coming. Yes, thanks for having me. Good to be with you guys tonight. As Malia said, I'm Travis, and uh, it's so fun to get to be together with you guys at Awaken. Um, so I want to do something first to get going here, and uh, it's, it's something that uh, God's just been stirring in, in many of us, but I've been stirring my, myself, um, and that's just with the idea, the truth that uh, Jesus is the worthy one. Like he is, he is worthy. And as we're talking about vision, he is the vision giver. Like he, he is the one we look to for vision. It's not just like, okay, I want to come up with vision for my life. No, I want his vision for my life. I want his, his vision so I can lay down my life. And that's what we're singing about right here. I give, I give my all. And so very practically, it's like, I've got to, I've got to keep my eyes on the worthy one. Um, and he is so worthy. Like, um, and um, I think one of the things that stirred it up in me a little bit is uh, something our family's going through. Our family's getting a little older, so our oldest daughter is now in high school. So that's just a new realm for a parent uh, when you uh, send your oldest to high school, and uh, it's just a different world. And there, there's a lot more going on, and uh, um, and so it's been a, an incredible journey, but also a, an eye-opening journey, and um, and a a heartfelt journey. Like there's there's been some sadness along the way. And so uh, she goes to a Christian high school, but uh, if, you know, and there's probably some of you maybe that went to a Christian high school, you know that not everybody's like looking for all the ways they can obey Jesus and fall more in love with him just because it's Christian high school, right? So, um, so um, we knew that. We, we talked to her about that going in, that, hey, there, there could be some stuff that's a little confusing, because for our family, everything we have tried to do and teach our kids and lead our kids in and disciple them in is we, we obey Jesus. Like, we run wholeheartedly after him. He is worthy of our lives. Whatever he says, we obey. And, uh, and our kids, for the most part, have been all in for that. And, and, uh, and so it's been an incredible journey. And so we said, hey, it's, it, just because it's a Christian school doesn't mean everybody's going to be, have exactly that mindset set, right? Okay. And, and so, um, so as we've entered into this world, it, it has been even, um, maybe even more so than we were expecting, just like the, the lack of desire in, in these kids to follow Jesus. And it's been pretty disheartening. We've been, we've had a lot of late nights with my daughter around, around the kitchen island with just her crying uh, out for, for like these people that she's come to know and become friends with and um, just weeping over their, their brokenness. Uh, um, she's got like this little background on her phone now that's like, uh, I, I'm, I'm broken for the brokenhearted or something like that. She's just like, she's, she's in with it and was crying in chapel yesterday because they, as they were worshiping, she just kind Kind of realized like it's very loud in here, but it's just because everybody was talking while the like worship team was leading, and so um, it's just. But, but uh, then, then you, you know, you see people that walking around in their cross necklaces and everything, and you're just like, don't you like this is real, you know? And she's literally been. She called uh, Joy, my wife, today, and was like, 
Um, and we could hear people in the background like, Ellie, who are you talking to? Ellie, what's wrong? But she just literally called in the middle of a van of her basketball team and is like, I don't understand. I just, I can't get it. I don't understand why they don't know or why they, and so we've just been on this journey and, uh, and we've been so proud of her because she's just literally weeping, but God's speaking to her about like giving her hope for these, these friends and she's calling out to him. But it's like, but it's, it's just this jealousy in my heart. Like, yes, he, don't you know, like that he's real and that he is the worthy one and that uh, he, is, he is worth following all this other junk. It just pales, right? And so here's what we do. I want us to just take a moment um, and um, I want us to just look at Jesus, okay? And what, what I feel like that he wants to do just to, to get us going tonight is to, to give us something. James 1.17 says that he is the giver of every good gift, uh, it rain, rain, raining down from the, the father of the heavenly lights. Like he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And so they're literally things that he, he wants to give us, okay? Um, but before we, um, before we go to what, what he wants to give us, I, I want you to first just kind of close your eyes and say, what do I need to lay down? Because sometimes it's hard to receive something from God because we've got all this other stuff in our hands, Right, there's all this other stuff that we're kind of clinging to and that we wanna make sure happens that we wanna take into our own hands. And there are things that often we just have to lay down before we can fully receive. Okay, so just take a moment, just kind of close your eyes and we're just, say, just say, God, is there anything I need to lay down? Any worry, fear, sin, relational issue, you know, whatever it might be, God, is there anything I need to lay down? Okay, now you've laid that down, and I just kind of envision yourself pushing it over to the side, and now you're just looking at him, the worthy one, with grace and compassion in his eyes. And you're saying, Jesus, what do you want to give me tonight? And just allow him to give it to you. Let him to describe what he's wanting to give you. Now, just one final thing. Um, just ask him, what, what do you want me to do with this? This thing that you're speaking, this thing that you're wanting to give me, this thing you're wanting to deposit in me, in my heart, and in, in the way of my thinking and 
way I relate with others, the thing that you're giving me, you're speaking, like what, what, what do you want me to do with it? How can it be activated? How can I walk out in it? And just kind of ask him, what, is it, what does that look like? Last week, I was in Indonesia and uh, had the opportunity to be in a house church and um, just doing a discovery Bible study out of 1 Peter 2. And um, one of the things um, that really stuck out to me was just the description of the people of God, who he has made us to be. Literally, out of nothing we have done, he declares that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I mean, and just kind of digging into those things or just even at surface level, it's just like, God, the way, the way God sees us and how he's building us into the spiritual house, but he's declaring that, that, he, that he chose us, that we are a royal priesthood, that we're a holy nation, his special possession. It was just moving, but then it was the phrase right after that really caught my attention that I felt like I needed to obey because part of the Discovery Bible study is like, what are you gonna obey of, of God's word? Not just like, what are you gonna learn about God's word, but how are you gonna obey God's word, put it into practice? And it, it was just this, uh, this idea that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession, and we're like, yay, we're a holy nation, all these things. But then it says, so that you may declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. And so all those things are beautiful and you get to experience that I am chosen, I am loved by God. I am set apart as a, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a, a royal priest. I'm his possession. Why? So that I might declare those excellencies uh, uh, to, to those around me. And so our commitment, because we were getting on the airplane the next day, was like on the way home, we are, we, we are not gonna travel home without declaring the excellencies of Jesus to at least one person. And so we're just like, God, give us opportunity to share the excellencies. And so on one of our flights home, we were with a man uh, coming back to the States, visiting his family in India, and we got to share with this man, the excellencies of Jesus, who had heard of Jesus but didn't know much about him. But I was like, I've, I've, we've got to share. This is, who he's, this is who we are because of him, and he's made us that so that we might declare. And so just this, this idea of like getting our eyes on Jesus, um, getting into his word, and then living it out. So just uh, get, letting that be activated. There's another time uh, I was in Turkey. Now, this, this was years ago, and we... we um, 
I was, uh, had the opportunity to lead a short-term trip into Turkey, which obviously is a lot in the news a lot these days, but we were um, a, a little, we were pretty far west of where the earthquake was, but in this town of Eskashir, and um, I had uh, lived the entire summer there the, the summer before and was back with a short-term team. And one of the guys, his name was Solly, who was, uh, was, was uh, some of the Antioch guys were working with there, um, would do these follow-ups with people. This was kind of at the very beginning of, uh, of kind of people, uh, like, a, like kind of digital evangelism. They would, they would hear something about, um, or maybe it was actually still radio then, I don't know, like where they would, but they would call in. They would hear, and they could call in, or they could email in, and this guy would go and do follow-ups with them. And, this, uh, and he had just uh, um, actually gotten set up and was beaten. Some people had called in that were not uh, serious inquirers. They were just looking to cause trouble, and so he had been just, just beaten, but he was still just faithful, uh, wanted to serve Jesus. And, and I remember um, being in this, uh, this little building, and I was leading the talk that morning for the team, and, and um, we were in, I was just doing this talk out of Ephesians chapter 3, and, uh, and I wanted to read that for us tonight. Um, in Ephesians 3, Beginning in verse, well, let's see where I want to start. Well, I'll start up a little, little higher, even though I want to talk more about the end, but just to get a little more of the context, it says this, beginning in verse two, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you may be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was, so this is the mystery, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heir together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And so this is this truth, this revelation that Paul is carrying. And so in verse seven, he says, so I became a servant of this gospel, of this good news by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so uh, this, this passage just is a passage that over the years has, has riveted me in, in the way that Paul handles the calling of God. And so, so God, God gives him revelation. He speaks to him. He knows that he's called to do these things. And he says, first of all, I became a servant of this. Like this calling, it, it, it demanded my servitude. Like everything I did was to, to, to kind of surrender to this call of the Lord Jesus that was, that was on my life. I became a servant to it. Um, and by the, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, 
Um, I, although I was the less, I was less than the least of all the Lord's people. This grace was given to me. So he just begins to describe uh, how he is not uh, worthy of this call, how he is less than the least of all those who should be called because of he's thinking about his past, he's thinking about choices that he's made, and yet he says. Um, uh, though I am unworthy, God's grace was given to me. His, his power is working through me. And, and there, there's something there, even so in, in that particular moment when for some reason this, this, I can just still see the room, I can still feel my emotion in sharing with this group of college students um, probably 18, 19 years ago, um, just like uh, about the call of God on, on, on our lives and God just stirring that in me again about God, what is the call on, on my life? And, and though I'm unworthy, though I'm sitting here next to this guy, Solly, he's worthy. Like, I mean, he's, he's going for it, right? He is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with those who are lost and I, I, will, I will walk into danger. Jesus is worth it. I, my family has disowned me. Like, I'm like, who, I am unworthy. I am I am the I am less than the least. Like I I feel fearful. I feel anxious. I feel like unclear on you know what whatever it may be, but God by your grace and through your power I will say yes to step into the call of God on my life and become a servant of it. Like that will be the thing that I serve. And um, I, won't, I, won't, I won't surrender to the, the master of the flesh. I won't surrender to the master of self-consumption. I won't surrender to the master of comfort and ease. I, I'm surrendered to, to serve Jesus and his call on my life. And, uh, and, and that's, that's, some, that's a decision that you make. And then that's a decision you make again. <laughs> And that's a decision you make again and again and again and again, um, because all of those other things are vying for your attention and vying. And so I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm just reading through it. I'm saying, yes, for, um, for, uh, this surrender to, the, to serve the, the call of God, to be a servant of this gospel, um, to preach the boundless riches of Christ. And, and then it, it's, it says this, these mysteries that, that were, were, were hidden in God, he created all things. His intent was that now, through the church that this manifold wisdom of God should be released. And so there's something in that for, for, for me and for, for those of us who came to, to even to plant this church was just this, this passion in the heart of God, this design in, in, the, in, the, in the architect mind of God to design uh, this church that would release in the earth the manifold wisdom of God. This church that would be the agent that would carry the gospel message, that would be entrusted with the most important message that has ever been told, the most important story that's ever been espoused was entrusted to the church so that the wisdom of God may be made known so that his heart may be made known. And so there was this declaration that now through the church, um, and, and so that's something that we have carried, that, this church, that, that, that his church, though there's many negative things that can be and have been said about the church, there, there are many things that have been done in the name of Jesus uh, uh, by the church that have not honored him and all of those things, and yet 
The church is his bride. The church is his plan A. The church is the hope of the world because of the message that it carries. And so we are, we are contending to be the church and to, to be a church that is, is not one that is, is coming, kind of limping across the finish line at the return of Jesus, all kind of beaten and bruised, but actually the desire is that we would be a bright, shining, radiant church, radiant bride, like Jesus, we're, we're looking for you. Uh, yeah, maybe we've got some scars and some bruises and bumps, but, but we are delighted and radiant because we're looking at you, the worthy one, like we're looking at you and we're receiving gifts from you and we're laying down every other thing and we're being a servant to this gospel and we're giving ourselves to the church because it is to release the manifold wisdom of God. The church is in Acts 2, 42 through 47 was the birth of the church and we see the church, um, what, what, the way I've kind of described that, that passage is that you see the church uh, stewarding or facilitating the move of God on the earth. So, so 3,000 people get saved and, and, and baptized, and they're, they, they all of a sudden begin meeting together, they, they begin praying together, they begin sharing meals together, they begin taking communion together, they begin sitting at the, the, the feet of the apostles, and there's teaching, they, they, they begin this incredible community where when somebody's in need, they, they give to them out of their own. They're seeing signs and wonders happen um, by, by, uh, by, the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. They they are, uh, and they are seeing people added to their number daily, those who are being saved. And it's just this incredible, in incredible uh, thing that God initiated to facilitate his move on the earth. And he's invited us to be a part of it. And sometimes I think we need to, to elevate our view of the church and it's not to say the church hasn't done harm. We have people all the time coming through these doors that have church hurt stories, right? We all know the term now, church hurt. And, and, and that's real. That, I'm, not, that's, I'm, not, I'm not invalidating that by, by any means. Those things happen. Um, uh, we have hurt people unintentionally. When you do tight community, when you do life together, there, there are things that people say. Or that we, we, are, we are selfish people, right? And so we've got to live in humility. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. We've got to repent. We've got to say we're sorry. We've got to learn. We've got to grow, all those kinds of things. But we cannot give up on the church because that's God's plan A, and so I really hope he hasn't given up on the church, and I, I don't believe that he has, and so we too ought not to give up on the church. We, we ought not to talk poorly about the church because if somebody comes to talk poorly of my bride, I'm gonna take issue with that. Like, that's just not gonna be okay for you to talk poorly of my, my bride, my wife, in my presence. I can, you know, like where it's like, hey, I just wanna hang out with you. Uh, you know, Travis, you're cool, you know, whatever. Like, you're, you're fun to hang out with, let's hang out. But then, you know, my, my wife walks up and you're like, hey, I gotta go, gotta go. Like, hey, can she not come by next? Like, no, like, that's not okay with me. Like, we're gonna have to work this out. Like, this is my bride. And I love her, and we are one. And, and if you don't like her, then you don't like me. Like if you have issue with her, then me and you have issue, right? And so we can't just like discard the church. And, and this is not, I'm not, obviously you're here, so hopefully you're not like, oh, is he talking about me? Like I'm not saying you need to feel guilty or something. I'm just, I actually wasn't planning on talking about all that. But 
But there it is, because, because uh, man, it's, uh, and, and so that's what we, we actually, man, I am jealous for, for, for the, uh, number one, for people to see God for who he really is. I hate the, the distorted view that people have of God. And I'm just like, no, if you really knew him, like if you really knew him, you would not say such things, you know? Like I would not say such things if I were you. That's too old of a movie for you guys probably. But, um, but that, that, that we wouldn't, we, so that's the first one. The second one is, is the church. Like I just am jealous for, for, for people um, to see a church that is, that is rightly reflecting the heart of God and the person of Jesus. Again, not perfectly, but that's what we're running after with humility. And so, um, so that, as you might can tell, gets me excited. Like I feel, I feel passionate about those things. Um, and and that's, that's the, the call of God on my life. And I love looking through the book of Acts, okay? Because here's the thing, the church, it was never intended to be a cul-de-sac, okay? So, so we have a lot of cul-de-sac churches in America where, where you just kind of build a church on a cul-de-sac and you're like, hey, anybody that wants to come here can come here and we try to fill it up. And then uh, maybe in its heyday, it gets full and then it kind of dwindles over time as, the, as a generation passes. Um, and, and there's nothing, um, there's nothing sinful about those churches they're, they're, they're doing good things. They're, they're trying to help people, but it's kind of, it's a cul-de-sac. It's not really, there's not, not really th- anything flowing or going on from there. There's some good things they're doing in the community. So I'm not, I'm not saying that, that it's wrong or sinful. In the same way, I, w- I would say mentorship. Mentorship is a, is a good thing, right? If we had a mentor, it'd be like, great, I, I want a mentor. Mentorship is a cul-de-sac, so, so it's you come to one individual who has had a lot of life experience and now carries wisdom and you come and you, you, know, you, you meet with them and you sit with them and you learn some things and now maybe 40 years down the road, you can create your own cul-de-sac of mentorship, things that you've learned and wisdom. So that's not, that's biblically, we see more thoroughfares. Okay, where, where this river that, that flows, you know, Jesus talks about the river inside of us is to flow. He, by that, he meant the Holy Spirit. So it flows from us. It's not a pool. It is a, it is a river. And, and so you think about uh, um, things like the making of disciples versus mentorship. What does Jesus talk about? He talks about making disciples. That is not a cul-de-sac. That is a thoroughfare. Because when we're making disciples, we're meeting, we're investing with people. And what are we teaching them to do? to make disciples, not just come to me so that I can teach you and you can learn all these things and maybe one day, 40 years from now, you can do the same thing. It's like, no, actually we met, now why don't you go find somebody else that you can tell the same thing? Who do you need to meet with? Who needs to know this? Who can you, who can you begin to, to walk out in, in making a disciple? And so it's a, it's a thoroughfare. Same thing with the church. Um, the, the, the church is a, is a um, it's it's meant to be uh, it's meant to be reproductive in nature, right? That that we we we, re, we reproduce. And again, there are, there are wonderful churches that don't have a vision for church planting, and that, that that's fine. And God uses them, and there's gracious. But I think in our hearts, what we've seen as the call of God on our church and the, the biblical model is that that the the church the the people of God reproduce. You know, whatever. And and you know, when I say church. 
we all think of a building like this or like the other one on the street down the corner or the one right there or the one right there or just a little bit further down. I don't know if you ever noticed, there's a lot of churches even just right here on this street. So, so we think about those little things, but, but that's, not the, that's not the full picture of the church. The, the church is the, 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 multi, the, the people of God hopefully multiplying their lives so that more people are, are experiencing life in God and community in God. So you, you look at it through the book of Acts and I'll do this really quickly. So in Acts 1, you, you kind of have the, the preparation of the church for ministry. So, so Acts 1, when, um, when, when Jesus is telling the disciples to, hey, wait here in Jerusalem for the, the gift that my Father has promised you, and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, then you will be my witnesses, right? Acts 1.8, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so, so he's do, there, there's this preparation for ministry in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit comes and uh, they are, they're filled with power. They begin preaching boldly. And so that then at the end of Acts 2 and, and kind of through Acts 5, that witness really begins to take shape in Jerusalem. And there's 3,000 added to their number. Then daily people are added to their number. Um, and then the witness in Acts 6 through, through, uh, it goes, starts going beyond Jerusalem, starting in Acts 6 and um, through, through 12, it, you, you begin seeing the, the, the disciples spreading, partly because of persecution. In Acts 13, uh, the witness reaches Cyprus in southern Galatia. In Acts 15, uh, sorry, in, yeah, in Acts 15, it reaches Greece. In Acts 18, it reaches Ephesus. In Acts 24, it reaches Caesarea. In Acts 27, it reaches Rome. There's just the spread of the gospel. And you have this cool thing in the book of Acts. One of the ways that you keep track with the book of Acts, you can do it geographically in that way. Like you just see the spread of the gospel, the spread of the church. You can also see the reports of the numbers. They keep sharing like numbers. Now, 5,000 more came. And then it says, and there's places like all, all, of, all of Asia was, re I mean, there's just, it, it begins to give these reports because Living things, they grow, they, they multiply. And, uh, and so we, and that's exciting in the kingdom of God. And so even when we came to plant this church, you know, we were looking at different places and, and different things, uh, yeah, just different areas to go. And one of the things that was just in our hearts and minds as we were thinking through that is, is God, where do you want to start a church planting movement? Like, we're not, we're not just where can we go and set up shop and have a, a nice little church. There was actually a couple of other places that we visited that I was like, oh, like, I could see myself just living. Like, this is a nice little hometown, you know, like, a, and we could live here and we could kind of set up shop. And, uh, and that would have been good. I mean, you know, but, but, but really the prayer was, God, where, where are we supposed to go that, that you want to start a, a movement? And, and somewhere along that way, I went to a world mandate, which, you know, is always dangerous. And, and I, I went and I, I thought I was going to be planning stateside. But then all of a sudden I'm there and I'm like, God, God, there's too many that don't know. And I, I literally, I remember the phrase going to my, how can I not go? How could, how could I not go when there's so many that have not had the opportunity to, 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 go, uh, to hear? And, and I remember a promise that I will hold um, until it happens, I guess. Um, I was going to say to my dying day, but hopefully I can let it go when it happens. Um, and, and that is, I, I felt like in that moment when, when we were really, over the course of that weekend, just considering what we were supposed to do, 
um, I felt like God said, because um, we were already considering Arizona, I, I don't remember where exactly we were in that process of how firm that decision was, but I, I, um, I think we would, had already pretty much decided to go, but I was like, okay, God, if you want me to stay, go somewhere else, not, not come plan in Arizona, we'll go. And uh, I felt like God said, no, if you'll go to Arizona, I'll send hundreds in your stead. Okay, so I'll send hundreds in your stead. So I'm like, that got me really giddy, like, like really giddy inside, like, oh, yes, yes. And up to this point, it's been about 15, so we got a ways to go, God. And, um, and, uh, but, but one of the things we do is like just, it, but it multiplies. We're not looking to just add. At, at this point, we've kind of, there's, there's been addition, and addition is good, but in the end, what we're looking for is God to multiply the, the, the life, you know, that's what Jesus came to give life and life to the full. And uh, not only for this little cul-de-sac that we, we call Antioch, but to begin planting other churches. And, and so um, one of the things that's been in our heart for, for years is to plant another church in, in the valley. And so part of the vision that I'm sharing tonight, uh, and then we're going to share more with the church in the coming weeks, is that we are planting another church in the Phoenix Valley. So we've got, we've got a, yeah. So... Uh, we have had the opportunity to see some church plant teams in the nations of the earth, but, um, but we, we're excited and feel like God said, now, now's the time to plant a church here. Actually, this is funny. Uh, this was probably about, how long ago was it, Adam? Maybe four years ago now that we, we had another world mandate, remember again, dangerous. Um, and and the, the theme was like, the time is now. It feels like that's the theme like every other year, but, but it was like the time, it was for real, the time is now. Like there's this window that God's doing. And, and the cool thing prophetically is that there was a window and because some people were talking about like, in it, but it's not gonna be open long. Well, that was just like a couple of years before COVID, and, and so it was like there's a window before this, some, some stuff's gonna get shut down. So like the time is now. If you're gonna go, go. And so we came back from that world mandate, and we're like, the time is now. It's time to plant the, the, the church uh, that God's called us to plant in, in Phoenix. Um, and, and so we came back. Jimmy was coming to town. That's the, the leader of our movement uh, just what, maybe a month or so after that. And uh, we were just like, hey, let's just, let's, let's talk with him. I mean, he's the time is now guy. I mean, that's, that's who he is. And so we just wanna get that reaffirmation and the wisdom to go. And we come and we're telling him about it. Like, we feel like the time is now, just like we're talking about at World Mandate. And he literally looks at us and says, time is not now, guys. And we're like, what? No, you said, like, the time is now. You already said that. You can't take it back. And he's like, I, I, uh, but you know, when, when somebody says something that feels completely against their norm, you, you really like, what? What are you talking about? I've never heard you say anything like that. Uh, and, and he said, I just feel like the time's not now. There was, and he gave some reasons, just what was going on in the life of our church. But really, it was just, a, I think, a sense from the Lord and wisdom that God had given him. And, uh, and, and, and again, with the COVID thing, we were actually planning on uh, kind of launching a soft launch that spring. So the spring of 2020 was gonna be our soft launch. So I think it was like, okay, God, I don't think it was time. Thank, thank you for that word of wisdom. Uh, and, and so we've just kind of been saying, God, when, just whenever the time is right again. Um, as you know, the last few years have been crazy, so it hasn't always been on the forefront of our mind, and we're just saying, God, when it's in your heart again, when it's time, when it's right, uh, we're in. And so um, we're excited to say that God said that it is, it is time for us to plant this church that really we've been talking about for a very long time. And so I'm really excited, like, yes, God, it, it's time. It's time. And, um, and so we, we're excited to be doing that. This, the church is going to 
um, to be somewhere in, in the Biltmore area. Uh, we don't know exactly where. It's still a little early, and we're going to be really beginning that process um, kind of in the Biltmore or Arcadia Light area. There's a, a, a group of uh, people in our church, um, a guy that I've been walking with. Uh, they, they moved away for a couple of years, but we've known them for about five gosh, six, maybe six years, um, and have been walking really closely over the last year and a half to two years, and uh, he's going to be a part of uh, him and his wife, Andy and Andrea Van Wyer, are going to be a part of uh, leading, uh, uh, going to be on that team, helping to lead out at that church. Um, uh, Chris and Stash Minacucci are going to be part of that team and leading out. Uh, Malia is going to be a part of that team. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be leading up that team uh, for, the, for, the, for the first part of the life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just for the, for the first part of that, the, the, the life of the church plant, because our desire in church planning is that uh, the, the churches would be autonomous. There would be a lot of fellowship and overlap and doing events together and mission stuff together and college retreats together and all those types of things, doing our D schools together and those, those sorts of things, but that the local church would be autonomous. It's not going to just be a campus. We're not going to be videoing anything in or those kind of things. There's going to be a team there that that really that really gives themselves to uh, to the work of God in that area and the people that God has given them to steward. And so uh, we are we're excited about um, how God has has set set us up in in this hour to see uh, that church planted. And the reason I wanted to share with you guys is because obviously that has effect on you. We have uh, both ASU and GCU students in the room, and so. This, uh, this church is obviously going to be closer to GCU than uh, where we currently are. So most of you had never even heard of Chandler before you heard of this church. And you're like, Chandler? Where is that? Is that in New Mexico? We're like, no, it's just way on the other side of the valley. Um, and, and while uh, I know it's still not going to be right across the street from GCU, I feel like it's, it's still in one of the areas that GCU students are a little more familiar with and have heard of and not having to travel at least all the way across the city to get to. And so... Uh, we are excited about that. And I, I just want to speak both to ASU and GCU students for a moment on that. Uh, one is this, for our ASU guys in the room, we are, uh, we are, we are believing for God, because obviously right now in, in the life of our college ministry, there's more GCU than, than ASU. And, uh, and yet, heading into 2020, there was about 100 ASU students that were part of this college ministry. And um, the, the rebuild there has been a little slower after not, not being able to be on campus for two years and losing so much of the, the traction and momentum. But we are really committed as a church and really feel like that in, in this hour that there is something that God is wanting to, to really rebuild. And I think that as, even as I was praying about tonight, I felt like God was even saying that there, there are some uh, men and women in this room who have, uh, have, a, have a call, that, that there's a passion or a, uh, a way that God is going to use you on ASU's campus to really help to ignite some of those fires that we've seen there uh, over the last decade and, and seen, uh, you know, all, I, all of our missionaries on the field right now um, um, is that right? I don't want to overstate. Almost all of them have gone through, have, have been out of ASU. And so uh, we're just excited to see uh, that, that really built back up again. And as a church, we're committed to, to getting behind that because we want you here. For you GCU students, obviously, uh, I think most of you will end up at the, uh, the Arcadia Church. I don't know what we're calling it yet. The Camelback Church, the something. Uh, it's just going to be called Antioch and, and probably like Camelback Location or something something like that. Um, 
And so uh, we, we, are, we are going to be, uh, so, so as I was just thinking and praying through that, I think our assumption is that most of you will be going to that church plant. That's part of the reason that we've had vision for this church for many years, is that God's doing some great things on the campus of GCU, and, and uh, we, we feel like God has been calling us in towards that direction, and so that we can be uh, closer and be a, be a church home for people that aren't necessarily wanting to come across the town, and, and so that we can really just continue to build upon what God's been doing in the, the college ministry at GCU. So there's going to be a, an exciting endeavor of planting a church. There may be others of you, um, and I, I think it, it would just be a, a handful, but there may be some of you, if you're just saying like, okay, some of you are like, yes, that's it. I'm just close to home. Let's go there. I love that area. Or I'm so excited to be a part of a church plant, and that's a lot of what maybe you're feeling. Others of you are like, oh man, I, I like this church. Not that the, the rest of you were saying you didn't like the church. I know that, but, but the, I feel secure. Um, but the but that some of you, that there may be for some of you just like, oh, but I like, what, what am I supposed to do? And that's okay. Cause again, we just take it to him. Like there is no, there's no worry. There is no pressure. And so while I believe that most of you will go and be a part of seeing that church established and being a part of that adventure with God, uh, I think there may be a handful of you that God says, Hey, I, I have an assignment for you here. That doesn't mean you wouldn't be a part of the college ministry and doing things like that. Um, and so if that's something you're kind of tossing around, of course, you've got leaders that you can come and talk to and just say, hey, this, can you pray for me on this journey? Because we just, want to, we just wanna help you in that journey, give you the freedom to hear God, to run with him in that way, and, and be excited about what he has in front of you, um, because we're excited. And, and we know that there, there is a, there's a cost at one level. Um, we're gonna miss, as a church here, having as many students. It's gonna be like, okay, wow, this, it feels a little different. There was a cost, but we believe in the church, and we believe in the church being planted and multiplied and influencing people that this church would never otherwise be able to influence, right? And so that's why we plant, because we want to be a thoroughfare, thoroughfare in that way. And, and so there, there is something in the heart of God that is just is, is, uh, blossoming, uh, for our city and something that we've been excited about because God is doing a new thing. I, I want to read a, a passage of scripture to kind of to wrap up here and then I'm going to invite uh, a couple of these guys to come up and just share a little bit of their heart um, to, to close. But it's Isaiah 35 and it's a passage of scripture that has been um, very significant for us. And um, I don't know if you know this or have heard this over your time being here at Antioch. Some of you, maybe this is your first time. But uh, the, the word of the Lord that God really spoke over our church, and, and not over our church, over this valley, was that it is fertile soil. Okay, so that it is fertile soil. And we found that to be true. And, and we felt like God said, I'm asking you to be water, to come and water the fertile soil so that it might grow and, and that there might be a revelation of who God is and a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And, and so this Isaiah 35 was a significant passage for us. And I wanna speak it again over the ASU college ministry, that ASU is fertile soil. And you may not feel like that every day that you're walking around the campus, and it, you, may, you may not be evidenced in the conversations that you're overhearing or the actions that are taking place, but ASU is fertile soil. There are people that are hungry, that are people that are longing, there's people that are thirsty for the life-giving water of Jesus. They are there, and we are believing that God uh, is, is wanting them to, to hear and to receive the message. Uh, GCU is fertile soil. There is fertile soil both for those that don't know Jesus um, and for those who 
who are longing to know him more, who haven't had the full, uh, full revelation of the, the, the character of God and, and his calling on their life. And so we're, we just believe it is fertile soil. And so I wanna read this over us. It says this in Isaiah 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there and it will be called the way of holiness and it will be for those who walk on that way The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown your heads, and gladness and joy will overtake you, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And so we just say yes and amen to the promises of God. Uh, Yes and amen over both of these college ministries that God has ordained, that has purposes for. We have a passion uh, for for college ministry. Every move of God to the nations of the earth throughout our our history as a nation has been fueled by by students, by the the great student movements uh, of of our history. And so we just wanna see that released again just the purposes and plans of God to be released again in you. And we believe that this, the soil is fertile and uh, that we have the opportunity to be the, the water of God to rain life down on it. So I wanna invite Chris and Malia, who's coming up? Stasha, you're coming? Everybody's coming up. Okay, everybody's coming up. I don't know who's coming up. So they're gonna share just a little more uh, on that before we wrap things up. Oh, thank you. All right, well, thank you so much, Travis, for sharing that. Um, And we just, um, we're excited, guys. Um, I know that there's probably a lot that comes with that. Like, that's a a pretty big announcement, but we just want to reiterate what Travis said. Like, we are here to to walk with you all through that. If you're like, great, I'm excited, I'm there, that's awesome. Um, If you're like, what does this mean for me? I am in emotional turmoil, that's okay. (laughs) Um, We wanna be in it with you. And so please, if you're like, what do I do with this? Um, First of all, go to the Lord. Um, That's probably the first thing we'll tell you to do anyways. But then, (laughs) please reach out to us because we would love to pray and process through that with you um, or your life group leader or someone else that you know and walk closely with because you're not in that by yourself. Um, And so, yeah, I think Travis covered a lot of of it, but um, I think the one thing that maybe he missed was that we are launching this fall um, is the hope. And so... Guys, at least Lopes, when you guys go home for the summer, um, you can come back to be a part of a whole new church, um, which is really exciting. And so uh, we have quite 
quite a few months, but only a few months, to dream with the Lord, to pray into it. And we're actually going to start um, praying into it a little bit tonight, just as a college ministry um, all together. But before we get there, we just wanted to share a little bit of kind of our hearts and our um, journeys of getting to this point. So it's funny that Travis mentioned the world mandate before um, we originally were going to plant. Um, I was at that world mandate, and while I was there, it felt like the Lord very clearly said, hey, West Valley. And I was like, oh, no. Like, at the time, that sounded like just the worst case scenario for me. I did not love living in Phoenix at the time. Um, but I was like, okay, Lord, if that's what, if that's what you've said, then let's go. And hear about this church plant that they're thinking of doing. I was like, okay, so this is like, this is soon. And then as he said, it, it didn't happen. And, that, and so the last couple of years was a process of like, okay, and what, what do I do with that? Like, it felt like so clear from the Lord. And then it got shut down pretty quickly. And so I was like, great, that was just, it was like a temporary thing. We'll just move on, pretend like that didn't happen. Um, but over the years, he would bring it up again. Like every time I would drive to GCU and would get stuck in traffic or um, get cut off or whatever it would be, the Lord was like, hey, I want you to pray over this place and pray um, just really specific things. And so uh, begrudgingly, I'll admit, I would pray into those places. And over the last few years, he's just been giving me personally more and more um, of his heart for that area. And uh, a lot of you guys know I was a GCU lope myself, and so bringing me back to roots a little bit, um, and at the same time have felt like, man, God is doing something exciting at ASU, and um, have been leading the life group over there for this year, and that has been a great time. Love you guys. Um, and so also felt this like, man, but I don't really feel done there yet either. So for me, I'm going to be splitting a little bit between um, both here and still working with ASU, and also Get, getting something started new at GCU and uh, whatever we call this new church plant. And so um, we're excited, but we're, at least me, for all of you in this room, I'm not personally going anywhere. And so excited to walk with all of you through that. Yeah. Yeah, well, for us, I think our story starts a bit separately because we weren't dating at the time or anything like that. But um, back in 2019 at that same World Mandate West that Malia was talking about was when I felt the Lord spoke to me because um, I knew that that was an option on the table was to be a part of this church plant. Um, but I very much felt like the Lord is asking me not to do that and to actually go to Fargo, North Dakota, which I um, shared with you guys about a couple weeks ago. And the dream was to be a part of a revival for a college ministry and to um, get to help um, lead that out and different things like that. Um, and so I had gone out there, and I shared this a couple weeks ago, but just to um, reshare the story a little bit, um, it didn't really go the way that I thought it would. Um, and I just remember the, the pastor there telling me um, as we were driving, I was in the car with her, and she was just telling me, yeah, well, they're actually not going to plant that church anymore um, in Phoenix that and they had originally thought they were going to, um, this church plant that we're talking about. And I just remember being so bummed and so disappointed. And there was just something in me that was like, man, I think I was actually um, supposed to be a part of that. And then through a longer journey, the Lord um, led me back here. Um, and really when he led me back here, it wasn't really this place of like, hey, come and be a part of this um, revival or come be a part of this crazy new thing that I'm doing. But 
what it really was was this process and this journey of like, son, come learn how to die to yourself and to serve me. And, and that's what the past couple of years um, really have been. Um, and I think that's the place that the Lord has had to get me in to actually be a part of what he actually has um, for us in that. And then this year, we're now stepping into and experiencing revival here in our college ministry and experiencing revival here in our church as a whole. And now I get to be a part of it, but in a way where God has actually gotten a hold of my heart into the right place so that I can actually be a part of it. And now, back in 2019, I would have done it alone as a single guy, but now I get to do it with a beautiful wife, which is super exciting. And just another part of the vision that I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share with you guys for us personally, but was um, at this past college retreat when Caleb was speaking, um, and he was talking about how God wants to give us his burdens for different cities. Um, And I just felt very specifically like the Lord said, hey, son, I want to make you a Sherpa for this part of the city. And I was like, what does that mean, like a Sherpa? But a Sherpa would be like one who would um, climb up Mount Everest, but wouldn't get any of the glory of the actual climbers, but would actually be the one that carries the burden for them. And it was just such a specific word that kind of came out of nowhere, but I felt like that's what the Lord has asked us to um, to do as well. So for us, but also I want to invite all of you guys into that. Like this, as Travis was saying, is something we're doing not just because it's like a strategic church planning thing or it's something that the Antioch movement does, but it's because he's worthy. Right? Because Jesus is worthy, and he's worthy of the reward of his suffering. He's worthy of the lost people that are in Arcadia, that are in the Biltmore area, of the lost students that are at GCU. Um, he's worthy. So that's why we're doing this, not because it's just some fun thing to do, though it's really exciting and we're stoked about it, but because we want to lay our lives down and to see his kingdom come and to see lost find Jesus. So, yeah. So good. Earlier, as I was thinking through, how did I get here? I was like, I don't know. And it turns out I wasn't at World Mandate in 2019, so now I know. Um, I don't know where I was or what I was doing at that point, but I think I was just working and graduated from college. But I think my story begins a little bit maybe earlier than that in 2017 when I first started going to Antioch. And I remember I was kind of on the fence. Like I had been jumping around a lot of churches and was trying to find a church family to run with. And my best friend at the time started going to Antioch, and she was like, you need to go on this college retreat. And I'm like, I'm a pastor's kid. I know that if you're going to make friends, you have to go on the college retreat. So fun. Like, I'll do it. And I remember getting to the retreat, and I'm like, everybody here loves Jesus so much. And they, like, want to be missionaries and church planners. And that's so awesome and so scary. I never want to do any of those things ever. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember being in a session during that retreat, and the Lord was like, no, but I've, like, called you to be a church planner. And I was like, no, you haven't. Like, no. Um, and definitely was one of those moments where God was, like, beginning to speak some things that it was actually going to take years of me working with the Lord um, to actually receive it and then begin to get excited about it. And so I think, I don't know, I think a lot of my journey with Jesus has been, like, say yes to the next thing that God puts in front of me and not always knowing where that was going to lead, um, but also just knowing that the safest place to be is falling forward into the next yes with the Lord. And so the timing of this, like the Lord's hand is on it in so many ways and like this team and just all the things like the Lord is at work and I'm so excited and just so expectant for what the Lord has for this church plant and just excited for us as a church family, whether in Chandler or in Arcadia, like God is at 
work in the midst of us. And so, like, so cool to then be launched over, like, the Phoenix Valley. Um, and just believing for revival in the valley, not just for us, not just for our church, but for all of the people who live here. And so, just excited, super, super excited and expectant. But as we come to a close tonight... <laughs> How do we respond to this? It's a great question. Um, and so I'm going to invite the band to come on up because um, we are going to head into response. But as we were praying today, we just felt like there were a few things that the Lord specifically wanted us to do as a church family tonight to kind of respond um, to this vision and to this new thing that God is doing. And so one of those things being prayer. And so we're going to take some time tonight to get into some groups and just pray. And we're going to have a couple different prayer groups. Um, and so we'll just take a couple minutes to pray, and then I'll hop back up here on the mic and kind of transition us. Um, and if you're like, I don't like praying in groups, the pressure is off. Like, we're just asking God to come and show up. Um, and we're going to give some specific direction for that. Um, but if you guys would go ahead and stand with me. I think one of the things that we talk about when we send people out is pray, go, or give, and how everybody has a role in this. And so you may not know what your role is in this tonight, but tonight we're going to give you a role. <laughs> we're going to start praying and just believing um, for God to come and move. Um, and honestly, like, we don't want to go do anything unless we pray about it first. Like, none of this is going to be done in our strength. Um, nothing about this church at all has been done in anyone's strength. It's because the Lord has come and shown up. And so we're just going to cry out for that tonight. Um, so when I say go, I want you just to find a couple friends around you. Um, again, if you don't like to pray out loud, just shake it off. There's no pressure. Um, but we're going to just start, and I want us to just contend for ASU College Ministry for a little bit. And specifically, um, as Travis was sharing that word about water, I was seeing that for ASU earlier today as I was asking God what we should pray for. And I think we just need to contend and pray that God would just bring that water to ASU, that he would bring life to that campus, and that the hungry would be able to find it and to receive Jesus. Um, so grab some friends and let's take three minutes to just pray for ASU and contend for God to come and move on that campus.